Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by Chris Fedor, and we had a little bit of a layoff. Um, I was on PTO last week, enjoyed a staycation, played a little golf with Chris and uh our buddy Jason Lloyd, and uh, we're going to try to continue to do that. I don't think we'll do that this week on Wednesday, at least, but it's been nice to do in Northeast Ohio. Um, Chris, I mean, it's been fun. I've enjoyed playing. I mean, do you feel like you're playing well lately? Do you feel like you're not playing well? I mean, you—you you, the last time we were out there, I thought you were pretty damn good. First of all, you're ditching us on Wednesday. What is that I about? Di- I am ditching. Uh, it's, it's about schedule. That's it. All right, so... Um... We have some connections around Northeast Ohio when it comes to golf courses, and we've been very fortunate to play some great ones recently. Um, And Hayden was supposed to set up this Wednesdays, and now he's not setting up this Wednesdays. I'm not. No, it's my fault. So it's your fault entirely. I've had to use my connections again to set up this Wednesdays. But luckily, the fine folks at Valley of the Eagles have hooked us up once again. Oh, beautiful. So we're going to be able to still continue our every Wednesday round. Look, man, the more that you play, the better you're going to be. So Right. I, I played yesterday. I'm going to play Thursday, I believe. So you know. This summer for me has been great. I've been, yeah. um, in past years, I had been dealing with some back problems. Uh, my schedule was ridiculous because Cavs Summer League was going on. And then the NBA draft was such a big deal. But with um, all of the uncertainty surrounding the team and really nothing happening with the team um, and, and so much time in between the end of the season and the draft, it's given me more time to shoot hoops in the driveway, go for bike rides, go for runs, and most importantly, golf. So I, I think I am playing really, really well. Um, I, I think I'm playing as well this summer, Hayden. And you can vouch for this because you've played with me a bunch. Yeah, I've, I've been playing as well this summer as I did back when I was a golfer in high school. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, it's, I mean, it's just everything's straight. Everything's, you know, you know how to hit it, where to hit it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, a part, it's vastly different from my game where you have a <laughs> horrific, horrible, no good shot and then a really good one and then really bad one. And then really, it's just like all over the place. My old coach used to say, Hayden, the key to golf is avoiding big numbers. Yes. And, and that's... if you can just if you could just take those eights off your card, my friend, I, I think you'll be uh, a lot better off, obviously. Yeah, it's just about, you know, it's about not dumping that <laughs> one or it's about not you know, right. sending it into the, the woods. Yeah, it's, all, it's that's what it's about. It's, yes. uh, it's crazy. 
Um, I did run into, I think it was last week, I ran into a Cavs assistant coach and a team trainer on the course. Oh, very nice. I did, yeah. So I was able to talk to them for a, a little bit, not too long. And um, Cool. Just nice to see them. I'll leave them. Leave their names out, but it was good to see. I'm, I didn't know. I could. I think they're they're playing for the black, so they were they they must hit it pretty well. Yeah, man. There are some within the organization that are really really good, and a couple of them have invited me out, and it's like I don't know because they take it so seriously. They do play from the black. Um, I, I need to get my game. I think in in even better form than it is currently in order to play with some of them. But but look, some of the players, too, have been picking it up. Dylan Windler, obviously, has been a golfer his entire life. He's about a scratch golfer. But Larry yeah. Nance Jr. is playing at Top Golf. Jetty Osman has been playing some golf. Like, this is the thing to do. Golf is the thing, the activity that you can really do at this point in time. It, it, it adheres to social distancing. You don't have to wear a mask. You're far enough away from... Uh, not just the people that you're playing with most times, but the other people that are on the course with you. So um, thank God for golf, because that's that's about my one saving grace during all of the the chaos that's going on with the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about winners. and I mean, obviously, there are a lot of losers during this, um, you know, during this pandemic and, and, and not in the, not in like a bad way just like things that you can't do but yeah. i think i think absolutely one of the biggest winners of the pandemic is golf and golf courses oh yeah that's that's where you want to that's where you want to be um if you want to you want to be on the golf course for sure i mean if, if it's just you know i think golf is probably more popular now than it's ever been. <laughs> which is great i love it oh absolutely and you know we are lucky here in northeast ohio um to have you know beautiful courses and, and oh yeah festival courses i mean you know we've been all around and you've been all around and played some great i mean we were at the thanks to the uh pine hills for having us i mean yep it was that was a beautiful course so. oh brutally difficult at times though that's for yes. sure and, and i like that i like the challenging courses you know it's one thing to go down to big met right and and it's it's a good course it's in great shape um i i it used to be St. Ignatius's home course in high school, so I have fond and bad memories of that all at the same time. Pine Hills was there? Was there? Uh... No, Big Met was. Big oh, Met was Sorry. down in the Metro okay. Parks. Yeah. So, um, but but it's not as challenging. It's pretty straightforward. Like on a good day, you can shoot in the 70s. Like right. Pine Hills, uh, Valley of the Eagles, Red Tail, some of these other ones that we have played recently. Like you really have to play well in order to score and you really have to know the course well in order to score like you can play well you can hit the ball well but to score well it's a lot different yeah no 100 percent. and then i think it rained the night before oh it did um, yeah i mean it's it was so it was playing long and, yeah. and not a lot of roll in the fairways right i mean yeah it's i mean I, i've enjoyed you know immensely being able to play and you know being able to you know, experience all these courses in Northeast Ohio, but I assume at some point um, the cold will creep <laughs> in and it'll be a little more difficult to do so. But hopefully, until like October, November, we can. Uh, well, actually, until October, then you're going to get more busy because then basketball for the Cavaliers is going to start ramping up again. And maybe, 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 right. right. So I've been hearing a lot from people that I've been talking to around the organization and around the NBA 
Um, there are a lot of conversations going on right now, Hayden, about the potential of pushing back the start date of the 2020-2021 season. Um, okay. And look, there are a lot of reasons behind that, but I think part of it has to do with Adam Silver and the rest of the league is trying to figure out what's going to happen with the coronavirus. Is there going to be a vaccine by then? Is it going to be less exposure? Are they going to have a better grasp of how it impacts people both in the short term and the long term? With more time, obviously, you think you're going to get more information. And then the other thing that comes into play about potentially pushing it back is the possibility maybe of getting fans back into the stands into some of these arenas. So the more that you push it back, and the more time you have to really assess the situation and maybe have things around the pandemic change, uh, the more likely you could be to have basketball more normal than what it is currently being played in a bubble in Disney right now. Right. So that whole December start, I still think that's really, really tentative. Yeah. And they are still negotiating and having conversations about the possibility of it getting pushed back. And here's the thing to think about, Hayden. If, if it gets pushed back even further, now all of a sudden you're talking about maybe a year in between the Cavs getting any kind of meaningful action and the start of next season. And right. that would just be crippling to their development as an organization. Right. And you, uh, you wrote a piece. Uh, you can, again, go to cleveland.com slash Cavs to read all of Chris's stuff. Um, and also, real quick, um, to just divert for a second, I wanted to shout Cam Fields. Um, Cameron Fields has been with us as a freelancer and has you know, worked with Chris a lot at the Cavaliers games mm -hmm. um, and has done a lot of stuff. And he was officially welcomed onto the staff. Yeah. So to congratulate Cam on the podcast. I mean, I definitely reached out and, and you know, was make, made sure to congratulate him. But pretty cool to have, you know, a new member of the team and, somebody who's worked really, really hard, and um, it's just great to see that he's been a part of the staff. So, Cam, if you're listening, welcome, my friend. And uh, Shout out, Cam. Congrats, yeah, shout man. Out to Cam, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and you can see some of the reason that Dad brought that up is because I saw some of Cam's stuff on Cleveland.com slash Cavs, where he does do um, – he's had done some of the uh, the player capsules for the season and, and stuff like that, so you can check him out there too. But as I was saying, uh, Chris wrote a piece – about a week ago, and again, I was I was off, so or I was on vacation, so didn't really have a chance to talk about it. But you just brought this up, uh, and the title of the piece is called "The Cleveland Cavaliers' Worst Fears Being Realized with Exclusion from Disney Bubble." And you've tweeted about this, and you've and you've definitely subtexted about this. I mean, the the basis of the piece is that the Cavaliers aren't getting experience that teams like the Suns or teams you know that are yep. maybe not as not as good as the rest of the teams in the bubble, but certainly are getting valuable experience by playing in the bubble. And the Cavaliers are certainly not happy about the fact that they're not there. So maybe you could talk a little bit, Chris, about, you know, what you're seeing and what you're hearing from, you know, members of the organization or just your opinions on, on what how much they're really missing out. Because obviously there are teams that are getting, you know, getting better and getting more time. The Cavaliers, obviously not one of them. Yeah, I mean, they're livid and, and they should be. Look, on one hand, you can sit there and you can say it's the Cavs fault. If they would have hired the right coach, maybe the first half of the season wouldn't have been a disaster and they wouldn't be um, where they are in terms of the standings at the time of the stoppage to be excluded from Disney. Yes, that is correct. Had they won more games, 
had they been more competitive, had they not made these mistakes, um, things might have been different. At the same time, nobody can predict a pandemic. It came out of nowhere. Um, And I think what the Cavs have been saying from the very beginning, Hayden, is the bottom tier teams actually need work more than a team like the Lakers or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, they're the teams at the bottom that are trying to make up ground on everybody else in the NBA. They've got young players. They've got new coaches. They've got a bunch of things that they have to figure out. They've got evaluations that they have to make internally, not to mention the external ones that they have going into the offseason with free agents and stuff like that. But internally, they want to evaluate their guys. They want to see Darius Garland play. They want to see Kevin Porter Jr. play. They want to see how it looks with Andre Drummond, a legitimate center, around all of their young guys. Um, Because then maybe they can make a more informed decision, not only about Andre Drummond and his future, but when it comes to the draft. Maybe they want to draft James Wiseman, but they don't know how a true center fits around Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., and Colin Sexton. And they were hoping to get more information before making that kind of decision. Now they're not going to get that. So it's just a lot of different things that come into play. But at the center of it all is the player development aspect. All of these young guys on these teams that are there in Disney are getting better. Look at what Michael Porter Jr. is doing with extended playing time, right? Look at what Bull Bull is doing with extended playing time. And, And what's happening in Orlando, it can't be duplicated. It can't be duplicated in these runs that Darius Garland is doing in Nashville because he's not playing against the same competition. It can't be duplicated if some of these guys get together and do five on five at LA Fitness because the level of competition isn't the same. And you don't have the same coaching going on. So all these teams in the bubble that are like on the same timeline as the Cavs, the Suns, the Wizards, they're all getting five to seven extra weeks of togetherness and work, practices, scrimmages, games in a highly competitive environment that the Cavs aren't getting. And there's no way for the Cavs to duplicate that. And there's no way for the Cavs to make that up. They were already behind. They were already one of the worst teams in the NBA. Same with the Knicks. Same with the Charlotte Hornets. Same with the Chicago Bulls. And now they're just getting pushed further behind because they're not getting these extra opportunities to grow and develop as a team. And sadly, it doesn't seem like there's anything else we can, you know, really say. Or I mean, because, you know, they're just... There's no way to rep, as you said. There's no way to replicate it. There's no way. I don't think they're going to have a second bubble. It doesn't look like. Um, I mean, it's just it's just an unfortunate reality, and there's not much they can do to change it. But I guess the only thing you can look for is pushing forward and saying, okay, you know, maybe the Cavaliers have to be that much better about communication or about you know summer plans and about things of that nature. Because I don't know what else you can even look at at that point. Yeah, look, um, Kobe Altman, the general manager of the Cavs, has been extremely vocal about his displeasure. He continues to talk with um, people in the league um, about the possibility of something, uh, mandatory training camp, uh, voluntary training camp, OTAs, however you want to phrase it. Um, So he still wants something, and there are still negotiations going on on both sides. It's just there's more pessimism than before about the possibility of these eight teams, the quote-unquote delete eight, 
getting something. And, and even if they get something, all right, so let's say it is voluntary OTAs. Even that, Hayden, that is not the same as what's going on inside the Disney bubble. I mean, John Morant is playing games against Kemba Walker, Damian Lillard. How do you duplicate that? Darius Garland's not getting those opportunities, right? Zion Williamson is playing against the Los Angeles Clippers and, and the Utah Jazz. And Michael Porter Jr. is getting to play against some of these really, really good players and some of these really, really good teams. It's even if there is something that the NBA comes up with for the delete eight, it, it's still not going to match. And it's still not going to put the Cavs on, let's say, even ground as the other teams that were invited to Disney. And if if the Cavs are speaking about this being unfair, if the Knicks are speaking about it being unfair, again, you can throw it back at them saying, it's your fault, be better. But But I don't think there's anybody that could argue the fact that it isn't unfair to these teams. Even the NBA, I think, would admit in a private moment that it is unfair to these other teams. And, and I don't think anybody wants that, but, but I just don't think at the same time that there's a solution for it. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Chris, we are in a time where um, there's going to be a lot of unfairness. Um, yeah. Be it, I mean, and again, I, I understand we're talking about basketball and, and, you know, it's this is a basketball podcast, and but like, you know, there's a lot of unfairness in society. There's a lot of unfairness in mm-hmm. other sports and some sports, you know, we're, you know, college football probably not going to happen. And those kids, I mean, it seems unfair to them. So there's a lot of unfairness. And again, I think it's just about, I mean, I think to me, it's about pushing forward and finding, being better about, you know, creating ways to, to communicate and to continue to work. I mean, it's just, there's nothing else you can do. Well, here's the other argument in favor of the Cavs, Hayden. Yeah. Um, it's something that I'm sure they have brought up at this point in time. So much about the Disney bubble is safety, right? Yeah. It's player health, it's regulations, it's it's containing everybody and, and putting them in this bubble so that they limit the amount of exposure that these guys have to the outside world, which makes a lot of sense because if the virus doesn't have anywhere to go, it's going to die. So if if safety is at the center of the bubble, Like, does the NBA really think that the guys outside the bubble from the eight teams aren't going to go to gyms? Right. Do they really think that they're not going to find some kind of way to get five on five games going? And and the environment that those guys are going to be in, the environment that those guys have to be in, because they have to play basketball, they have to continue to stay in shape and be ready for 2020, 2021, whatever that may be. But... But like that environment that they're having to put themselves in is not nearly as safe or contained as the Disney bubble. So that's the other thing that I would assume the Cavs and these other teams are saying. Like you want to protect your guys and that makes sense and you should. But by not allowing us to be in the bubble or having a second bubble, these guys are still going to find basketball courts that aren't going to be as safe or protected as what they would get if you gave a second bubble. Yeah, no, that's an arg- it's a valid argument. Um, unfortunately, I just don't see anything changing. Like I don't either. Yeah, I, I I just don't think. First of all, a a bubble. If if we're siding with the NBA, if we're being fair to the NBA and the decision makers in the NBA, pulling off a bubble is very very difficult. Yeah, 
and what they're doing right now in Disney is really difficult. Yeah. Um, so, so doing that again, albeit with lesser teams and left, lesser people involved in a different location, that would be difficult. Um, and on top of that, like, you know, for, for some of these teams, their season is quote unquote over and they have nothing to play for. So it's hard um, for the league to mandate these free agents like Andre Drummond, Matthew Della Vadova, just by example, uh, these guys actually get together and, and, and play in a second bubble or something like that. Right. It's um, it's yeah, it's I, I, I do want to say, though, that I think that um, the NBA is doing a good job in the bubble. Oh, God. Yeah. Are you I kidding mean, me? You know, for as difficult as it's been and. <laughs> We're, we're, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into this, but we're, we're seeing some uh, some issues in yes. other leagues, especially here in Cleveland. Um, so I think they're doing frigging Clevenger. Come on, it's, man. Uh, I've, I've, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to put any names, but I've heard that it's been an issue for longer than this. And, oh yeah, uh, right. Uh, so. But to but, your point, yes, the NBA has been successful yeah. with the bubble, so much so that Major League Baseball right now is considering um, their playoffs happening in a bubble. Yeah. So other sports leagues are paying attention to what's happening in the NBA, and they've been at the forefront of how to restart the league um, in some way, albeit different than what people are used to, and and maybe even finish the season um, in as safe way as possible. Yes, so I give them a lot of credit. The NBA has definitely led the way. I don't. I think we can all agree on that um, yeah. and what they've been able to do. Um, switching gears quickly. Uh-huh. Um, so we are. I've been looking on the. You know, I've been on social media and everything. And and I'm sorry I mean, about that. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's my. I mean, it's, it's it's my job. I got to troll social media yeah. as much as possible. I know. Um, but I've been seeing these like weird rumors and reports and things that didn't make, I mean, I, I don't know if it doesn't make sense, but it's just like kind of interesting to me. Okay. Um, involving in, and you wrote about this, so this isn't just out of the blue, but involving a potential Cavaliers deal, <laughs> Ben Simmons. And I'm just thinking, is this like fan fiction? Is this something that's been made up? But you wrote about this three days ago in your, Hey Chris. And again, you can send your questions uh, to Chris by signing up for his insider text, 14-day free trial of subtext, um, $3.99 a month, and you will love the information you get. Again, Chris will text you right to your phone. You can text him at 216-208-4499. Again, 216-208-4499. That is to send your questions to Chris for his Hey Chris segment on Cleveland.com or to get your questions into us on the podcast. One more time, 216-208-4499. Uh, and you get insider text from Chris Fedor nearly every day. Um, but the question, um, and something that you addressed uh, in this column, is is Ben Simmons. I mean, where is this yeah. coming from? Well, look, okay. So this isn't just something that the Cavs have been monitoring, Hayden. Teams around the NBA have been paying attention to the Philadelphia 76ers, saying, what the hell is going on in Philadelphia? Right, right? because... It's a really talented team. They have made a bunch of win-now moves. And here they are, sixth in the Eastern Conference? Are you right. kidding me? With Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and, and Ben Simmons? 
Like, how is that possible? So when that happens, when you have underachieving teams or just bad teams, um, a lot of teams and executives around the NBA are going to pay attention to those groups and just be prepared in case they want to move on and they want to change their roster. Like, if you're a bad team and you have an all-star caliber player, chances are other teams around the league are paying attention. Sure. And they're thinking to themselves, how do we pry this guy away? It happens all the time. Right. It's the same, it's the same thing with an underachieving team like the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and look, part of the Cavs plan and, and part of what the Cavs have done over the last couple of years, Hayden, is stockpile assets. Now, you can question some of the fit, like does Darius Garland and Colin Sexton fit? The Cavs would say, well, look, we're in asset accumulation mode. We're just stockpiling as many assets as possible to, one, help us grow as an organization, but two, be prepared in case a disgruntled star becomes available. That's how you get these guys. You don't get them with Kevin Love. You get them with Darius Garland and Kevin Porter Jr. and Colin Sexton and first-round picks. Um, So the Cavs wanted to be prepared um, in case someone would become available. And I was asked specifically in my Hey Chris column about Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown and Michael Porter Jr., And the only one of that trio that's going to go anywhere or has any chance of going anywhere in the offseason is Ben Simmons because Philadelphia is a mess. Philadelphia is an underachieving team. Jalen Brown's not going to go anywhere. He just got a new contract extension from Boston to keep him out of restricted free agency this offseason. He's a pillar of their team along with Jason Tatum. So forget him. Michael Porter Jr. is not going anywhere. He's going to be in Denver for a long, long time. But Ben Simmons and and Joel Embiid is a combination that a lot of people in the NBA, including the Cavs, feel like is disastrous and it can't work long term. And there is one member of the Cavs organization that believes eventually, maybe even as soon as this summer, if Philadelphia has an earlier than expected uh, exit in the postseason again, uh, there's one member of the Cavs organization that believes that Philadelphia is going to have to pick between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that that pairing is going to have to be split up. Um, So that's, to me, where it's come from. But the questions about can Ben and Joel work together have been there for about a year and a half in the NBA, and it's not just Cavs-specific. I related it to the Cavs because I think they would be in position to try and take a run at him because they have the young assets, they have the draft picks into the future, and they have some high-priced salary guys that could match Ben Simmons' contract. So I turned it towards them, um, but other teams have been monitoring this situation as well, and they're going to continue to monitor this situation as well. And the only way for it to end is for the 76ers, one, to make a deep run into the postseason, or two, for Ben and Joel to show that, yes, they can play together and Philly can be a great team with them both. Okay, here's my question. My question is this. I mean, okay, so you, obviously you're, you like Colin Sexton, you like the direction that he's going in. Darius Garland didn't really have sure. a great year. 
Um, but certainly there's potential there. Um, can shoot the ball, obviously, very well. You know, didn't this year, but has shown flashes of that. Kevin Porter Jr. has had a really nice rookie season. Um, uh, Dylan Windler, we don't know anything about, but again, it could be a shooter. Like, are, are you willing, and do you think it would be a good idea for the Cavaliers to kind of just part ways with those guys, or a couple of those guys, in order to bring in a guy like Ben Simmons? I mean, is he, would he fit with that, with, with the Cavaliers? Would he be a good you know, match for what they're looking for. I mean, because obviously the three point shooting isn't there. Right. Um, you know, he's a, he's definitely an all-star and a, and a great player, you know, can get to the hole and, and is offensively great. But um, I mean, what, what would you, I just would, I might have a hard time giving up on the young talent that you have um, and in potentially bringing in even another guard in this draft um, for a guy that, doesn't really I don't know it just he doesn't seem to be like meshing with today's NBA if that makes any sense uh so I don't think it does I think in some ways you're right um but at the same time like today's NBA is pace and space it's versatility it's being able to guard multiple positions on the defensive end true right and he does all those things he's probably going to be a first team all defense selection he made my first team all defense He's a menace on that end of the floor. He can guard one through five. Yep. Um, and the other thing that he would bring that the Cavs don't have is a great passer. That's part of the reason, Hayden, that I've pushed a lot for LaMelo Ball for the Cavs in the coming draft is because even though he plays the same position as Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, he's not the same kind of player. He brings different traits. So Ben Simmons would give them an elite passer an elite offensive conductor on top of the fact that he would also bring them an elite defensive player. And the two issues I think that they've had um, since LeBron left are those. Yeah. They don't have a great passer. Darius Garland isn't a great passer right now. Colin Sexton isn't their best passers for most of the year were Larry Nance Jr. And Kevin Love. Yep. So you would have somebody initiating offense, a high usage player, that is an elite passer, and that just opens up everything for you offensively, despite his shooting limitations. Um, on top of that, he's only 24 years old, so he fits the timeline of the Cavs. So if they have an opportunity to take a run at him, and look, this isn't to say that they are best positioned to get him. There are other teams around the NBA that have young assets, young talented players, and future picks that could also really um, appeal to the 76ers and what they would want in a potential Simmons deal. Um, But the Cavs will be in that mix because of some of the young talent that they have and some of the draft pick capital that they have as well. Don't forget, they have Milwaukee's first-round pick coming up. Their own first-round pick is going to be a top-six pick. And then they have top-ten picks. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr. is intriguing to people around the NBA. So if it's me, I would cling tightest to Kevin Porter Jr. I think the Cavs would cling tightest to him. Right. But something like Darius Garland, um, this pick coming up in 2020, the Milwaukee pick that they're going to have, that is a good starting package. That's not going to be enough. Philly would want to haul for Ben Simmons. But at least that opens up the conversation. Right. And I think, I think too, I mean, I, I, 
believe me, I, I do a ton of Facebook, obviously, after like every Indians and Browns and yeah. Cavs game. I do so many Facebook live chats and I talk to, you know, people ask literally. I mean, that's just what it is. People ask me questions, peppering me with ideas. And it's always like, oh, well, why can't we trade for this person? Why can't we trade for that person? Why, why haven't they traded for this person yet? And I, I say the same thing every time. It takes two to tango. Right. So, yes, the Cavs could be very interested in Ben Simmons. And they could really be – they could really put a nice package forward. But also, you know, the Sixers might not like that big package – that big, you know, thing of picks um, as much as – or thing of players and picks as much as somebody else. So, like, right. it's, it has to work out. And it has to work out like equally for both teams. And I think if you're the Cavaliers, there are certainly ways for you to try to pry Ben Simmons. But also, I don't think they want to just give away everything. I mean, obviously that they they no. would like to, they're going to want to cling closely, to, as you said, to Kevin Porter Jr. I'm sure that they might even want to cling closely to Colin Sexton. Maybe want to cling closely to some of their picks. Um, so I, I, as I tell them all the time, it takes two to tango, and it's much easier said than done. And, and look. Um... This was partly what the Houston Rockets did a number of years ago. They compiled a bunch of assets, and they were ready when James Harden and the Oklahoma City Thunder couldn't work out a contract extension. So Houston gives up Kevin Martin, Jeremy Lamb, two first-round picks and a second-round pick for James Harden. That's it. Right. Think about that. Yep. Two first-round picks, a second-round pick, Kevin Martin, whatever, Jeremy Lamb, whatever, for James Harden. Um, if you think about what the Cavs gave up a number of years ago to get Kevin Love, it was Andrew Wiggins, the first overall pick in 2014, um, Anthony Bennett, who was the first overall pick in 2013 and looked like a complete disaster as a rookie. And they brought in a third team um, and gave up another young player and a pick. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't think it's crazy to say that the Cavs have appealing young assets that would get them in a Ben Simmons conversation, um, especially when you look at past trades involving players similar to Ben and what the other teams had to give up. You know, if Philadelphia is going to go this direction, Hayden, I think they'll want a combination of help now pieces and young pieces. And, and I think the Cavs have both of those kinds of things. And again, it's not to say that they would be the front runner for him. There are other teams that would be in a similar position that may have more appealing assets to a team like Philadelphia. But even if it's not Ben Simmons, like if it's Zach Levine, like the kinds of pieces that these teams want in these kinds of trades are what the Cavs have stockpiled over the past couple of years. Yeah. And certainly again, like that's one thing that's one benefit of the Cavs do have. I mean, you look at the Cavaliers, they have a lot of different kind of pieces. They have kind of, you know, your veteran pieces, they have your, you know, young up and coming pieces. They have your really young pieces. You have draft capital. You have kind of right. mid, middle-aged, kind of kind of between a vet and a rookie. I mean, they have so many different pieces, and I think that does suit them well in the trade market. Just because, again, the more you know options you have for a team that's looking for different things, the better off you could be in a trade um, if that's the direction that you were going to head in for sure. Yeah, and I think the Cavs feel like they are positioned well. And I put this in the story. I quoted. Um, an executive in the story um, who also sees it the same kind of way, like people around the NBA look at the Cavs and obviously they've underachieved. Um, they've made some uh, poor decisions, but 
they're also lurking in terms of one of these teams with young talent. Um, Now, not everybody views Colin Sexton the way that the Cavs view Colin Sexton, right? Not everybody views Darius Garland the way that the Cavs do. Not everybody views KPJ the way that the Cavs do. But, But you can't talk about some of these rebuilding teams without at least mentioning some of the young players that the Cavs have that have played relatively well. Um, Jetty Osman was a rising star, right? Colin Sexton made the rising stars game. Uh, Darius Garland was the fifth overall pick, and a lot of people liked him in the draft. Like, the views of these guys is not like the Cavs are a complete and utter disaster. They, They are currently because they're not winning games, but when projecting them towards the future... It's not like, oh, this is a hopeless franchise that has absolutely no components um, to turn this thing around. Exactly. All right, Chris, before we get going, I know you wanted to touch a little bit upon the upcoming ping pong uh, celebration in in regards to the uh, (laughs) NBA draft lottery uh, that will be coming up. And you said less than, I think it's less, you said nine days exactly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Nine days exactly. So, Obviously, the Cavaliers are in good position, uh, the second worst team in the league. Uh, what I mean, what are your thoughts on? I mean, obviously, the Cavaliers have seen both. They've seen the best of both worlds. The ping pong balls have been very much in their favor and and probably earned them a championship. And the ping pong balls have been very much not in their favor and have you know, eliminated <laughs> them from conversations around Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson and John Morant and Trey uh, Trey Young and so many yeah. others. So. Um, the Cavaliers, again, in great position. What are they saying about this? So I remember talking to somebody last year, Hayden, um, going into the draft lottery. And it was somebody inside the organization. And they were just like, Chris, just one through three. That's it. We just want one through three. Because they felt like there was a big gap, one, um, between Zion and John Morant. And then there was another big gap between Zion, John Morant, and then R.J. Barrett. But then there was a significant one after three. So they were just like, we got to get one of the first three picks. And they didn't, right? They got number five. And you could sense the disappointment from everybody not named John Beeline just because he was a ridiculous optimist. You know what I mean? Like everything, with the exception of once he realized what the NBA was all about, everything was optimism with him and the Cavs get the fifth pick and John Beeline's there in his bow tie. And he's like, that's fine. We'll get a really, really good player. One member of the organization was like, Oh damn. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it was a completely different feeling there. I, I don't get the sense going into this lottery Hayden, that there is that same feeling inside the organization of, Oh, we've got to get number one, right. Or, Oh, we've got to get top two or, Oh, we've got to get top three. I think there is a feeling around the NBA and inside the organization that the best player in this year's draft could come outside the top three. It's just one of those kinds of drafts um, where the top guys have flaws and so many concerns that teams may feel safer not being like, I don't want to say forced to take them, but like they, they are the top tier and you almost have to take them if you're in the top three, if that makes sense. So if, if you don't get quote unquote forced to take those guys, there might be more of a comfort level if you're drafting 
four, five, six, seven, something along those lines. Yeah, I do remember. I mean, you know, and you said the year before they were all eyes were on Luca and oh god, and they, they tried got, so hard. Yeah, and they got messed around again. So, but, but I just don't get the sense that there's that guy this year. You know, if no, you ask no. one member of the organization, he'll probably say, "Oh, I think James Wiseman is the best player in the draft," and then another one will say, "Well, Anthony Edwards has the most upside and and pure talent." Then another one will say, no, it's LaMelo Ball, especially now that he's a six foot seven, supersized point guard with unique court vision. Um, and I just don't think there's any consensus this year about who the top pick is and, and how one through three should be ordered. Like if you go back to last year, you knew one was Zion, two was Ja, yeah. and three was going to be RJ. Okay, That's right. just the way it was always going to be. Uh, this year, it, I think it's it's going to entirely depend on on who makes the selection, and and who gets placed one, two, three, four, so on, so forth. Right, and I'll, I mean I'll be excited about just talking about uh, the Cavaliers and what they're actually going to be picking. I mean, you know, yeah. then we can really dive into draft talk. I mean, we talked a lot about the draft because we it probably should have happened by now, um, but. It's uh, it's certainly something that we will dive into on this podcast going forward. And uh, in a and strange twist, too, Hayden, here's the yeah. thing. The the thing that they need most, obviously, is a wing, a two-way wing. Right. And that's um, what this draft lacks. <laughs> this draft lacks, but, um, like, the the range for those guys, Denny Avdia, uh, Isaac Okoro, uh, Devin Vassell, it's really between four and six. Right. So the furthest the Cavs can fall is six. And if you're a fan out there saying, like, I don't want them to take Anthony Edwards because they already used a bunch of picks on guards. I don't want them to take James Wiseman because he only played three games and they have Andre Drummond and they have a lot committed to their front court already. If you're somebody out there that wants them to take a wing, lottery night, if they fall outside the top three, may play right into that because they won't be tempted if they're in the top three, they're going to be tempted like other teams to take yeah. one of those three guys that, right. that does that isn't an ideal fit for them. But if they're outside the top three, the temptation of those guys might not be there because they'll already be off the board. And it may actually work out better for them because then they can take either Vassal, Avdia, Okoro. And not only will they be around the best players on the board at the time that they take them, but they'll also be a great fit because that's a positional need for them. Right. Well, again, like I said, I think we've, we, we will definitely have time to talk about all kinds of draft stuff. I'm just excited that finally we'll get an actual chance to look and see, you know, what, okay. If the Cavs, if the Cavs are at five, if the Cavs are at two, if the Cavs are at one, they could be one again. You never know. They could, yep. they could very much win the lottery. So, you know, then, you, then we're back to square one where they could literally take anyone. Um, <laughs> and then we'll just be talking about the same guys over and over again and about what the Cavaliers are going to do. But it'll be, you know, it'll be good just to actually have some uh, some real scenarios to go through and play out. All right, Chris. Well, it was just announced. Uh, sources are saying, multiple sources on the Internet are saying that the Big Ten uh, is going to cancel football in the fall. So that means I have some work to do. But... <laughs> Thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate it. And we're going to get back on schedule. We're going to start doing Mondays. Um, you know, we've been all over the place with, you know, different things happening with events and with PTO yep. and with furlough and whatever. So 
Um, we're going to try to make a habit out of Mondays. But before we go, anything else you want to uh, discuss? Nope. I think I'm good, man. Oh, right. look. The NBA is saying that there are going to be all seeding games teams and an NBA player of the seeding games. That's oh, interesting. Okay. So there you go. Well, so since so like all the MVP voting and defensive player of the year, all of that was done before the seeding games and you couldn't take that into account. looks like the NBA wants to reward some of these players for the way that they've played during the seeding games, which makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've done a nice job. Um, as we talked about, the NBA did done a wonderful job. So certainly I think the guys that have been responsible and have stayed in the bubble and, have, you know, they've sacrificed. Well. They, yeah. they really have. They've sacrificed. They've sacrificed a lot, um, you know, seeing their families and time and effort and, and all kinds of stuff. So um, they certainly deserve to be recognized, especially for what they've, uh, you know, for especially for playing well and for doing what they're doing. Unfortunately, again, the Cavaliers will not have anybody um, <laughs> uh, in those awards either. But um, certainly we will look forward to that. And we will look forward to talking to you with you again next Monday on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Until then, send your questions to subtext to Chris Fedor. If you haven't heard already, it is a free two-week trial, $3.99 a month. Chris will send you insider texts. Um, and that is the only way to get your questions to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast and to Chris for his Hey Chris column. So again, sign up now and you get a 14-day trial. You can sign up at 216 208 4499. That's 216 Chris, have a great week, my friend. We will talk this week, I am sure. Um, but we will be back on the podcast next Monday. All right, buddy. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Take care.